With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 585. My name is Eric Nielsen. And with me today, I have my favorite co-host, Corey Romero. Today is Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. Corey, how are you doing today? Doing well, Eric. Doing well. Recovering from the uh, massive storm we had come into Utah last night. We got uh, a couple feet of snow just overnight. Awesome. Awesome. That That's fun. It's near Christmas or, you know, near the holiday season. So we're excited to continue doing a podcast. We'll do one this week and next week. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking to uh, Router Kirsten. He's a professional service engineer uh, from the controlgroup.com. And uh, we're going to talk to him about what he's been up to around Horizon REST API and PowerShell 7. He's wrote some scripts to do some paging and filtering of, of, of content. And so we're going to talk to him about what he's been up to, did a nice blog on it. Uh, you can go to his blog and take a look at that. But before we get to uh, Router, let's talk to Corey. I know you guys got VExpert applications up Right now. Yeah, yeah. VExpert applications are open on uh, December 7th, and they're going to go continue through January 14th. Um, if you're not too familiar with the VExpert program or just want a little bit, know a little bit more, you can head over to blogs.vmware.com slash VExpert and read the latest blog post. It talks about the program. It has the dates in there when the applications are going to close. So applications will close on January 14th, and we're going to have an announcement um, for all the awards on February 18th. So make sure you get those applications in. The deadline's coming up soon. I know that I was talking to you and you said you got like seven or 800 uh, apps in already. So people, you know, have going. I know that you guys edited the uh, VExpert application so that you could kind of keep a an ongoing app profile going so that if you went in and documented what you've been working on, that then it would just be easy. You could just say submit and boom, you were done. Uh, did that ever go live? And is anybody using that stuff? So uh, there's a kind of a medium version of it right now. It's uh, it, it's not completed. Um, if you go in there right now, you should see the stuff that you had in there previously from your previous application. Um, we had a little holdup with another integration we had to do, um, which was which would you know we had to comply with with legal. Um, so we we decided to you know spend our resources there um, to get matched up because that was something we had to do prior to the application process. Uh, but once that's done, I've talked to Martin Smith. Um, who's the VExpert and VExpert developer, and we're going to be releasing that next. All right, so that's close, but uh, you had to spend some time working on legal issues, right? Yes. You know, yes. Probably something to do with that, uh, what is it, log4j or some bug that's going on right now? That's probably what it is, right? You guys are just, you know, you probably created that. I heard it came from well, Minecraft, so it's probably you guys <laughs> you know, over there gaming and VExperting, and, you know, next thing you know, you know I have to be up at 2 in the morning rebranding everything. Or breaking stuff. Yeah, you know. because uh, everything has to be fixed, right? Um, right. 
Also on the show today, we have Gabby Darsa. Gabby, uh, welcome to the show. I don't know if you've been on the show or not. I think you came on at the very beginning, but Gabby has been doing some PowerShell uh, work. She has been uh, you know, coming up and starting to work on a, a PowerShell blog to talk about what it's like to come and learn PowerShell from the very beginning. So if you're a fairly new customer, uh, we've got Gabby here just to you know, talk about her impressions of, you know, coming up to speed. And I know that, uh, Gabby, you worked on PowerShell doing um, uh, embedded, no, calling REST APIs in um, Fusion, right? So you started there, and then you moved on to em embedded uh, vSphere uh, on Fusion. So now you got a, a full, full embedded stack there. So, But wait, we kind of made you do that. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excited to be around Wooter, Corey, and Eric, the, the pros of this podcast. Uh. There you go. All right. Um, so uh, I don't know if we have any other news. Uh, we are doing coming into the holiday season. We will not do a show the you know between Christmas and New Year's. But other than that, uh, Wooter, uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Um, you are here, I think, in April. We had you, so yep. this is a, a follow-up return. And again, we look at what's trending in the blog world, right? Like who's doing blogs and what's trending. We try to invite people on that are do, doing trending blogs. And uh, and you've got another one, so two in a year. So congrats to you. Good job. Always, always an easy win if you just some PowerShell stuff, right? Like uh, so it's like it's like you automatically get traffic if you're if you're doing. Well, PowerShell. actually, this one is kind of a repeat of last time, but back then it was Python, and now it's PowerShell. <laughs> you know, uh, people say when you're doing broadcasting, uh, it's okay to repeat yourself, right? Like you would never repeat yourself in a book or in text in a Word document or whatever because you've already <laughs> written it down. But in voice. You can say things every five or 10 minutes just to reiterate, because if you say things seven times, uh, people pick. start to register it as true, right? So I tell myself I'm great seven times <laughs> every hour, and then I, I think I'm great. So it, it works. Uh, so we always start the show with... Uh, who are you? You know, what's your blog? Um, what's your career arc like? What do you do to make a living? Yeah, so I work for ControlUp as a professional service engineer. We are monitoring remediation uh, software for including Horizon, for example, mainly EUC environments. Yeah, and I've been blogging about PowerShell and Horizon and all of the VMware things, I think, since 2016 or something. That was also my first year as VExpert, second batch of 2016. So, yeah. Yeah, that's like five years now, right? Like, uh... yeah. Yeah, nice. it's been a while now, and and I I still remember looking forward to to Gabi when I started with PowerShell. I started with a book, PowerShell in a month worth of lunches. That's what I started with to automate things for my employer back then. Good. Uh, by the way, Wooder, uh, I want to say I I asked him for some advice. He's given me great resources to work with, so you'll definitely be part of my blog. <laughs> I am always happy to help people, especially if you're starting. If you want to learn. Hit me up. I, I'm always helping people with that. So That's you're out of the you're out of the Netherlands, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, your blog is www.retouw.nl. So yep. uh, you can go to go to that. What does that stand for? Uh, Look at my first name. And uh, go yeah. backwards. <laughs> it's the backward name trick again. With the OU, with the OU in the correct order, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wooter, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, with that, with a dot L and L. Now, I would have been super impressed if you had gotten 
w-u-dot-o-t-e-r, right? Just so that you can have the whole thing in, in one, one domain, but we'll live with that. Uh, so you've been uh, PowerShelling along and, uh, and Gabby, I know you've, you know, experienced some PowerShell and one of the things that you did in your first, um, you know, learning experience was to actually call the fusion rest apis because inside of vSphere on our inside of fusion they have rest apis enabled if you enable it the fusion uh, vm michael roy always comes on the show going, yeah we enable the fusion rest apis inside of fusion it's the same engine uh, it's not quite the same engine right but uh, you did do calls and then i if i correct me wrong but i think that uh uh Michael, or was it William? William Lamb built William a Lamb. library that that allowed you to make REST API calls from PowerShell, right? So, uh, and you did some of that as well, right? Yeah, I was able to connect to HTTPS and set up a um, essentially the the VMware Fusion online to to access it and create those commands through PowerShell. Um, right. Beginning stages. Yeah, yeah, but the trick was that you actually had to write a PowerShell function to then call the REST API. And William had written that a couple of years ago. You found his blog and went off and you know engaged with the community. So, so Ruder is uh, um, and it's Kristen. Kirsten um, just corrected. I said Kirsten, Kirsten because I think I was using the I and I hit the I to insert when I was typing and an I ended up, this is, you know, I still use the I to edit the agenda for the show. But anyway, um, you're talking in your blog about using a REST API in PowerShell. Did you have to write any functions or why don't we get into what you actually did? Uh, so that blog post, I used uh, some functions uh, written by Andrew Morgan, Office of CTO for UC. And actually, I created a new function to use uh, the Horizon APIs because that's mostly what my blog talks about, using the right Horizon APIs. And I've created a function to easily, more easily consume the Horizon a REST APIs. Right. So that was kind of the same thing that William did in order to just, he built some standard libraries that Gabby, you used to call, you know, just list the VMs and get, get data about the VMs. So it's kind of helper functions that were then built in PowerShell to that, that did all the talking through REST API. Cause one of the things that, uh, uh, it strikes me as that uh, people know how to do shell. I know how to do shell. When you start telling me to use REST APIs and Python programming and, you know, uh, calling, like, do I, can I do that from PowerShell easily? And the the answer just said, looking at your blog is, yeah, you, you can do that. You might have to write conversion functions, but it's, it's a very doable thing. So start out uh, with your blog, um, which again is called Horizon horizon dash rest dash api dash powershell dash seven dash paging and and filter i'm not going to go through you can go to his blog and find it uh, under the horizon tab on his blog but uh, tell tell me about what what you actually wrote and why you wrote it so uh i've been using the rest apis and blogging about it for a while but there was one thing that i always had missing and that was some of the rest apis they actually the data that they can return is too big for a single API call. So they use something called pagination. So you can, okay, the data you get back, it has property there is an, that there is an next page. And hmm. if, if you want to use that, you, yeah, you have to create a function to get that next page. 
that that's one of the things that's in that right. that that you need to do. So you get all the data. If you have a thousand VMs, but you only get the data for five hundred. Right. They give you they they segment it out, and then they're just going to say there's more pages. You have to iterate through making your calls, uh, checking to make sure at the end does it not send you a next page? It just oh I'm done. Gives you a no more new next then page. Then it says the next page is false or something like that. Yeah, yeah, null or whatever, right or zero. Yeah. Right, right. Then you know you have everything, and then you just have to stuff that in a table or, or in in something that you're storing. In yeah, I put that in an array or a table, and, and yeah, you put an array. Right. Okay. Right. And then iterate through that, and then that. Yeah, so then there was. Uh, I looked at it, and I forget. I don't have the article up, but oh, here it is. Um, there was originally one of the calls had been obsoleted uh, or, or deprecated and then moved to an, another one. Uh, assigned user versus assigned users. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, in Horizon, they changed something. Uh, in the past, when you assigned a desktop in, in a desktop pool to someone, it was for one user. And they actually changed it that you can assign a machine to multiple users. So if they work in shifts, two per two people can use the same desktop, but not at the same time. Right. To 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 to, to preserve capacity, for example, that's that's use case for that. And Robin, who asked for it, he works for a hospital, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in Sweden, Norway, Nordics, I believe. Sorry, Robin, if I'm wrong. And yeah, he used that old uh, method to assign desktops, but he needed a new one to use to use the assign users to. Because they they changed the API call, and I would assume you wouldn't have a large number of users assigned. So uh, to frame your your first paragraph of your blog, Robin Stolope, I guess we'll call him Robin. Yep. Uh, came to you going, like, look, I'm 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 writing the script. I used to use a, a, a sign user, and now they've changed it. I get assigned users, and now I get too much back or I have to figure out how to parse through or if you have a lot of assigned users I can't imagine you have that many assigned users per horizon desktop though you would think there would be you know 10 or less you know assigned it, it, it would be a few but it, it's, it's more that that you can have 500 desktops in a desktop pool right it's okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you needed the pagination yeah. but for for the desktop right. so you get the proper one Right. So the assigned user versus assigned user, users versus user, the fact that they changed it to users because there'd be multiple isn't why you had to do pagination. This You had to do pagination just because you're just trying to get users and you get all of your machine's users dumped to you when you, when you call that, That's my ADHD kicking in. I get a question for something and I fix 10 completely different things. And, I, and in the past, I used to create a small code sample. But in the last year or two, I've started to create full functional scripts for you, for, for people who ask me questions or when I come up with, with an idea myself. And this is one of those things where I... Now, normally blog editors would correct you. Who's your, your blog editors? They would tell you, you know, you're mixing metaphors here. You're you're making this over. Do you have like a blog editor team that, you know, reviews nope. everything? And, just you know, me and, 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 and mixing. How did this get through the process? How did, how did you have this in your... Like, it's just you. <laughs> this is this is just me. My, that entire blog is just me. 
just you nice nice block all right so um so you started uh, with that that notion um and then you wrote that i got to say that uh you have your filtering here you actually put the code in the in the blog it's nice it's this is all powershell right that i'm looking yeah. at right so it's just a full powershell with examples that you're using you're you know setting up filters and uh you know you got to you're adding users um then you get into the pagination, right? Um, yep. How long did it take you to write and debug this? This one was, I think, one or two nights. So let's say four to five hours, something like that. With okay. a lot of testing and, and all of those things. Right. Once you get done with this, what do you do with it? Just put it on your blog, that's it? I put it on my blog. Sometimes I reuse the same function in order of my uh, scripts right but you don't put it on sample exchange at code it, it is on my github outside oh, your github okay uh, every, right. everything that uh, all my samples are all on my github nice nice and then you do a, a very nice blog on it yeah so that uh, people can uh, use it do, do do anybody give you feedback on these do you ever get people going like wow i use that thanks uh, yeah quite often and then there's next question. I want to try this. How can I do that? Because I'm one of the few people who blogs about the Ryzen APIs. So it's not about the REST API piece that they, they but mainly about Horizon APIs. How can I do this? How can I do that? Right. And and clearly Horizon scales, right? So you really do, if you're going to manage Horizon, you really do have to approach it this way, right? You're going to probably be a good PowerShell scripter because there's just, you know, you get, you get 10,000 clients, right? You you have to automate. Right? If, if you have a few hundred clients, it's already helping. It, it, it's what I, what made me start with it. I was running an, a Horizon environment at that time and I wanted, I'm lazy. I wanted to automate things. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I back at Sun, I created a thing called Big Admin, and we had a script section, which was what with the claim to the fame of the site was that nobody had really built a really good script section yet. And so I built a script section. One of the problems with scripts is keeping them up to date right, or keeping the code up to date and version control and somebody has a bug fix or has a fix that they want you to do or some edit. How do you manage that kind of stuff? Like if you write this, now you've got it, but it, you know, the timer starts from it aging and, uh, and when somebody wants to add something or do something, do you have any process for that? Like you put it on GitHub, do you let anybody, I guess you could just let people give you feedback. You could actually give them access to the code if you wanted. Right yeah, they, they, can, they can always download. I, I'm not getting any pull requests or something from other people. No, no I wouldn't expect. Right. That Most of my scripts are examples, and they work in my case, and they might need to run something different. But at, even for companies, please do use something like GitHub or Git or GitLab or, or whatever. Use versioning because too often I've had, oh, I, yeah, I messed it up, and I don't have a copy of that old version anymore. So you actually have to track back and recreate what you did in the past because right. there, you have no versioning. So Gabby, you've um, you've been kind of experiencing the community because you're new and you've started. Um, what are some of the challenges you find in you know absorbing the community content that people have published? It's a great question. Um, 
I have to say there's there first of all, I just want to acknowledge the community, the code community is ridiculously tight knit. Like I've never seen a group of people more willing to help and share information. Like it's kind of like their own influencer group. Like everyone, like kind of what you said, Wooter, like as soon as someone finds out something, you're so willing to share that with the community. Uh, one thing that I struggled with is that there's a plethora of information out there. Uh, so trying to find the right uh, information that fits the needs that I'm looking for. So for example, when I was using, uh, when I was looking at William Lamb's blog, uh, kind of what you would have said, there was, I don't know if that's mine, uh, but uh, there was a, he essentially had the example scripts, but you have to tailor that to your own needs. So it's also being able to pinpoint from the example that's offered in the blog articles, um, what are the things that, uh, what tools that I have that I can use that can allow me to do the same thing as the blog uh, and what other blogs out there can uh, fulfill the things that uh, were not prevalent in the first initial blog article that you read. So it's it's like a, it's a rabbit hole, I think. You, you have an opportunity to find something out. Uh, many links are offered, many GitHub uh, repositories are seen and being able to pick and choose and see uh, how it best fits your environment from my experience. Yeah, it, it, it also for me always feels like, and somebody tried to solve this um, a few years back in that you don't know the timeline of when things are published. And so you, you get stuck and, and then you realize, oh, wait, this is five years old now, right? And this isn't actually going to behave properly. Um, or you know, what is the latest stuff or like what you do, you realize that, oh, William wrote this library in, you know, 2017, yeah. right? And you talk to him and he goes, yeah, you know, or so you, knowing where to select the latest stuff Right, so that you're you're not reinventing the wheel. Now, some of this is just coming up to speed. There's just mm -hmm. a certain amount of learning the old ways because you bump into them and you think you got this, and then you realize, oh, there's a whole other way to do this. And, and or somebody wrote a library. Is that your is that your mail? I don't Who's know if that's mine. Uh, no, I think it is. I've got mine. everything else turned off. So me too. Do I have mail up? Is that me? I'm not as popular as you, Eric. So uh, I don't know. I don't think I have mail up. I don't know who's mail. I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and send you mail consistently. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you can write a script. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got calendar up, but I don't have mail. All right. Whoever it was, it's not me. There you go. Mail. Oh, I have Mac mail up. Maybe it's Mac mail. There we go. Yeah. But I don't get that much Mac mail. That's just my own private mail. So yeah, there is this notion of trying to grind through it, but then you get you, you get smart because you do the old school ways or you bump into the old school ways. Okay. It wasn't your Mac mail. It's not my Mac mail. It's not me. I don't it's have anything. Definitely not yeah, I have everything closed. Uh, yeah, we okay. already had it when we both of us were only on yet, Eric. So yeah, that's either one of us. It's me somewhere. <laughs> I just gotta find where. Well, I got a tab somewhere. Debug, debug, find it. No, I. Yeah, that, that's another rabbit hole that you get into when you get researching and googling for stuff. You get around three thousand tabs open at some time. Consuming yeah, no, on your system. When I was first, so when I was beginning to learn PowerShell, like my tabs on my Google Chrome. You couldn't even read the beginning anymore of like the thing because it's a uh, in each article there's an opportunity to open up a new article, look back at the old code, um, and then yeah, in the GitHub repositories as well. Oh wow, 
but I will yep. say uh, also the flings. So like that's one thing I appreciated within the uh, the code community as well. So a lot of people are also doing their own things, coming up with their own small solutions to something. Uh, and then I noticed a lot of people's flings end up being converted into actual like product enhancements. So I don't know if that's happened in uh, Re uh, Horizon with your experience. Yeah, but... there there's, there are a few Horizon flings indeed that Andrew Morgan created. There are several yeah. of, of them that became product or that Chris Alstead created, they became products, yeah. Definitely. Is that like a is that like a success for most people when it oh, becomes absolutely. Yeah. my first VM world? I was the expert for two weeks. That was Vegas 2016, and I did a, a V Brownback session on some VMware flings. Wow! And some of those from back then became product. So that was cool. So a little, little proud moment. That <laughs> <laughs> was pretty cool. Yeah, that's super cool. All right, so Wooter, when uh, when you look at something new to do, how do you decide what you're going to spend your time on, right? Because the, the one I've discovered with all this is that it's a rabbit hole. You could spend your life doing this stuff, right? And do you just let your customers drive what you're doing or your day-to-day -day function? Or what, how do you pick and choose what you're going to work on next? Customer questions. Um, I, I always, every Horizon version that rest there on the REST API. So I, I am maintaining the Python uh, module for Horizon. That's something that I started this year. Mm. So, and that always gives, oh, this is new. Oh, maybe I can blog about it. Just like last week, uh, one of the new functions in the most recent version of, of Horizon is that you can actually create a desktop pool using the REST APIs. Well, that's, that's something that people have been asking for for years. Can we do that using REST? Okay, let's make a blog post about it. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So you're just, you're just, following along and then as new you're, you're you kind of get on the roadmap of what new features come are there apis that are available for those new features and then you can then blog about it write some sample code for it publish those sample codes so as long as there's a there's a big engineering team that's building new functionality you, you'll have a job right and you can i left i left someone and sometimes just like that that blog post that we now talked about it's someone reaching out on twitter or on the v expert slack or someone else how can we do this yeah, I know I can do it. It's hard to explain right now. Give me two days and I will have a blog post for you. And it gives me content. So it's 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 a win-win. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was gonna that, that answers my follow-up question, which is um hasn't everything been written in PowerShell already? You would think that no. you know having yeah. given that it's been out for like 10 years now that you have every possible script out there to do everything, right? But no, people, REST APIs is, is technically not related to PowerShell. PowerShell is just one of the ways to consume it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that, well, I really, yeah. PowerShell, but I guess in, in the end, as we add new features, then you can build PowerShell connectors for things that are in REST API, being exposed in REST APIs. And so it's just a never ending uh, uh, journey. When we talk, and I, you know, you're not in this space too, but I look at Kubernetes and all the new functionality in vSphere that's coming along. Then you have whole new REST APIs and whole new PowerShell modules that could engage with those to control all your workloads running in Kubernetes from you know pod workloads to you know you name it. There's like a million things to configuring YAML files to everything that you could do uh, sitting up at that upper, le upper level. And that's the advantage of REST APIs. If it doesn't matter if you use PowerShell for your automation or 
Ansible or, or Puppet or, or whatever, everything can talk REST API. So you can use your favorite tool. That's the advantage of REST APIs. Right. So talk debugging for uh, a moment here, because I think that's another thing that, and Gabby, I don't know if you experienced this or not, but like, how do you debug, you know, what's actually happening when you run it to when you get your results back, right? Like, a, how do you know if, and if it works, it's easy, you get the data back and it's, yeah, there you go, it works, right? And, uh, but when it doesn't work, what's your favorite way to debug? And I guess I'll ask Wooter first, and then Gabby, I'll, I'll get the simple version of what you experienced when it came to the debugging. But uh, Wooter, why don't you go out? Yeah, with, within Visual Studio Code, for example, you can you can put uh, stop moments. So at that moment of time, you stop the script, and you mm -hmm. can actually go into the data that you have at that moment of time. I didn't realize that they did that at script. I, I, I've all have done this in C and C++ and, and Java breakpoints and stop. And, but I didn't realize you could write your scripts and you could fire off your scripts and get that same, same yeah, yeah. environment. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that answers that then, right? You can just march through other than there can be failure modes on the server. If the server crashes or for so if there's a bug on the rest api itself but that's just a rest api problem right like so if they implement something that crashes on that side that's a bigger problem i guess right like because i whenever you get you're running something on your local windows machine running powershell and then it's communicating to the server that's then doing some task if the task gets confused but that's really as long as the REST APIs are implemented properly, that shouldn't happen. They should just give you an error code back, right? Correct. You should at least get why it's breaking. Right. Where I've had trouble when I'm building applications, I'm usually building the back end and the front end, right? So therefore, my back end has code bugs. So then I'm trying to debug between my front end and my back end. And you can't break breakpoints and get you know, what's actually happening on the backend code. But in this case, you're just calling APIs that VMware has done and VMware doesn't have bugs. So therefore- But in the end, we'll, ju we'll just blame the network being the issue, so. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's, that's the problem too. Gabby, did you run into um, scenarios like this? Did you have trouble debugging? I haven't yet, but uh, I will take note of what Wooter said in terms of uh, creating breakpoints. I do know, I do remember learning there's a command on PowerShell that set PS breakpoint uh, to to specify that line or function um, to find it. So next time I, I run a script, I'll be sure to... Well, I don't think you even use Visual Studio at this point, right? Not That's yet. It's all terminal for me right now. Yeah. yeah, you've just been, you haven't been writing massive lines of code. Um, no. But that'll be the next step. Yeah, what you're probably like using Notepad, if I were to guess. I don't know what editor you actually use. It's embarrassing to even ask you this question. Yeah, let's 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 next question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so go download. Uh, we got a job for you, Gabby. Go download Visual Studio and uh, run something. Set some breakpoints. Uh, maybe I'll do the same thing. Uh, I do. I will do a shout out. We are doing a. Um, 12 days of the holiday season, like the song 12 days of Christmas. Uh, and we've got 12 tiered steps that we're gonna be running in social media starting next week, where we'll give you challenges, you know, 12 days of Christmas learning. It's, you know, it about midway through, you'll have Tanzu set up on a home lab. 
and then you'll be writing some code near the end of it. So we're going to do a contest on that. So should be fun. Um, so just, uh, yeah, maybe I I'm going to try to do that over the holiday too, right? So that uh, I can I can finally get my home lab up and running and write some code again, right? Uh, that'll be good. So Wooter, we've been through kind of uh, what you've been up to. Um, always will ask in the coming year, right? Um, how much time do you spend on, you know, writing code versus doing your day job, whatever your day job is, right? Like helping customers architect solutions. Well, yeah, a big part of my day job is actually also writing code. So it, it really depends on the mood I'm in. Do, do I feel like blogging? I'll create a blog post. Do I feel like playing with the dogs? I'll do that. It, 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 it it, it, it can be anything from one to eight hours a week or something that I spend on it. And, and, I, and how did you sign up for supporting uh, the Horizon uh, Python library? Well, I created it, so that's not that difficult. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I guess yeah. your library, do you have any formal connection with any teams with, with regard to like what's coming next? No, not at all. No, just, I, I'm a VX yeah. EUC, so we do get some inside information, but API-wise, I always know it at the same moment as the public knows it. All right, so it's it's your library. Any way to monetize that library? Are you going to become a billionaire? Are you going to no, rename no. yourself Meta, Meta Wooter, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I so, know it's, it's open for everyone can use it. If, right. if someone wants to add to it, please do so. Where do you go get that? Is that just on your GitHub uh, page as it's well? It's on github.com slash magnet underscore NL. All right. Put it in the chat and I'll publish it on the YouTube and VBAR. Yeah. 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 You can, you can find it on github, github.com. And it's always linked in my blog post as well. If there, if I uploaded it, it's, it's linked there to, on, to GitHub somewhere. Cool. It has that, it has the Ryzen REST API. Horizon underscore REST underscore API underscore Python. That's what I started with. That, that's where the, the Python module is. I've got several VCheck for Horizon View. That's actually what started, what did get me started with the Horizon APIs. I needed to do daily checks for my Horizon environment. I knew the VCheck from uh, Renouf at that time. It's now completely community maintained and I created one for Horizon. That's how I started with Horizon APIs. Nice. Nice. Uh, should ask uh, anything else on the blog. Get your sample scripts. It's a very long blog. Very, you got all the code here, so that's that's a, a good yeah. one. To know. That's what I try to do. I, I try to put the code in there. What are your blog? I, I read through it. I've never seen when you mentioned like your ADHD kicked in. I've never seen a blog as comprehensive as yours. I, like we were talking about the plethora of information. Super good job, I have to say. And and it is it is like I don't put a lot of fluff in there. It's it's the plain yeah, truth. Yeah, it's straight to the point. Yeah. yeah. And still pretty lengthy some sometimes. <laughs> Um, I got to say also, when you look at the blog, right, the 100 days of code, I know we talked about the, the day, you know, that process that you, you had going on, I think last time you were on the, on the podcast as well, right? And you actually have, I think you got, what did you get to? Day 26, 28, day 26? Yeah, then I stopped blogging and I, I, I was following the 100 days of Python course on Udemy. Mm -hmm. And I stopped at that point and started working on the Ryzen module. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it is a, a good way. And I give you credit for like building a kind of, hey, here's how to get started, right? Go shout out to that blog as well, right? Because it's uh, very straightforward. Uh, and uh, Gabby, it might be somewhere that you, you want to go go check out. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, asked, I asked for some advice for, uh, for Python just because um, I think it's important. If I'm going to learn PowerShell, that's also another language I need to... The, the big on. difference between PowerShell and Python, with PowerShell, yeah. you, you don't need indentation. It doesn't even care about capitalization. If you don't do that with Python, it will break. Oh, really? Okay, good to know, good to know. Python is, PowerShell is a scripting language. Python is, more, is getting closer to a programming language because it has mm -hmm. rules in there. You need to have the cop proper capitalization. Indentation, if you screw that up, it will fail, period. That's one of the bugs you have to find. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, there's uh, my son did an interview um, at at Roku because my other son works at Roku, so I got him an internship interview, right? And uh, my son's at University of Chicago doing C and C plus plus, right? And he hasn't taken a Python. But uh, when he was doing his resume, I, I, I put Python on there, no problem. When he was doing his resume this summer before he was getting ready to send it out, because you got to apply for internships like in September for your internship the following summer. So uh, he put on there Python, even though he hadn't written any Python, right? Of course, this is a, a common thing that we all do, right? Or at least a guy from marketing, his dad who's in marketing goes, yeah, put it all on there. Tell him you worked on the space shuttle. It's fine. They will, they'll never be able to figure out that you didn't, right? And then, uh, of course, he gets the interview uh, and he had his final exams and he had like, I think he had 26 hours between his final exams ending to where he had to then prep to go do the interview. And he did a 10 hour online Python course and he was good. Right. You know, he went in and the technical interviews these days, they get you online and they, you know, they, they talk with you on Zoom, but they also take you to a website. I don't know what the website name is, but it's some coder website where they give you the challenge and you just have to write the code in real time on the website. And then he grades you that the interviewer grades you while you're doing the challenge on a website. So it's kind of like, you don't know, you don't have to write code on a whiteboard anymore. Like how many of us have had to go into an interview and sit and then write something on a whiteboard and explain how things work. Um, you do it online in a virtual, you know, coding environment, right. You know, like, and, uh, but he did well. So the point is that uh, Python is one of those languages that you can learn. But uh, my son's input was to you guys' point, like to Wooter's point, is it's you have to pay attention to your tabs, right? You you know you you it's a it's unique way of controlling control structures is by indents, right? Um, and your indentation does control the flow of the code. But other than that, it's if, while, then, iteration, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So not too bad. And Graham pointed it out. That's something that uh, an, an IDE like Visual Studio Code helps with because you do the tap and it does the proper indentation for you. And then it gets even better because you have extensions that actually colorize it. So I see the different tab levels in different colors. Right. What's a what's a good extension that you feel like most people who have Visual Studio Code should uh, have? I have Rainbow Indent. That's that one. I have Rainbow. Rainbow Indent too, I believe. I, I I should be able to pull quickly pull up my Visual Studio Code, and uh, I use a bracket pair colorizer. So if you use brackets, and it will match them up in colors. Okay. 
So and I want to set up my environment well for Visual Studio Code. Visual Studio Code. Yeah. I should I should do a blog post. I know William Lamb did a blog post about the extensions that he used a long time ago, but some of them some of those still apply and or, or it could give you ideas of what you can use. Okay. Good to know. And you can use something like Git directly from Visual Studio Code as well. Okay. So you can you do your push requests, everything straight from there. Okay, we'll tune back. We'll circle back when I figure that out. I will. I will, I will send you some of the uh, extensions that I use. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, coding there. Uh, question on user interfaces. Right, like so. For a while, people started building little web apps to control virtualization. Like there was a cross between scripting and shells and running things in shells versus you know building little web apps that gave you kind of like nice little happy quick screen environments to do stuff. Do people do that now, or do they basically embed stuff into VMware's you know HTML? Does HTML does VMware's GUIs have a way to embed things or extend out interfaces. Like I always feel like there's the the, the console vCenter. The you know you're looking at things. And then there's these scripts that I got to run, and they're like two different worlds. Sometimes people would build kind of GUI apps to pull them together. Do you see yourself ever doing that? Do you see the world doing that? Hardly. It, it, it the, the the automation is mostly used for, from automation. Right. And, and actually, with a vSphere, I'm not sure if it's, if it's a fling or if it's now in product, but there is a way that you could actually see the code that's being done when you, did, when you do something in the vSphere client. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gives you the, the, the code what you're doing. Right, right. But nobody's, nobody's been building. I, I remember in 2008, uh, there was some efforts going on to kind of like make, pull those two worlds together. I don't think they ever came together. I was just curious if uh, if that, that ever, if you ever see any of that, right? Like from my perspective, I just live in shells and I pop up shells and I have shells and then I have browsers and they're two separate things that I, that I use. But I was just curious if anybody had done any of that. And Corey, the reason I bring that up um, is that, and uh, is that, the minute you do that kind of stuff, it's a nightmare because now you're talking to Apache servers and you're building web front end that's calling things and then calling things in the back end. So debugging gets an order of magnitude more complicated. And that's when I just go, why don't you just use pencil and paper and do it manually? Because trying to debug, you know, web GUI to power your scripting to REST APIs to backend servers, it's just, it's just too many layers. And you just might as well walk, get in your car or bicycle, pedal down to the data center and get on the console and just run the command manually. It saves you time, right? Versus trying to build web interfaces that make all that happen. Exactly. Yeah. And, and right. then you get all, all those vulnerabilities that are popular this week. So, right, right. Then you have security issues. So yeah, nobody's nobody's doing that. That 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 makes sense. Um, do you guys, Wooder? Do you get ever get into notifications like frameworks? Like um, when things are done, if you have a big workload, right, that you're running a script on, how do you get notified at the end that it's done that it did well? You know, the old days we just parse through log files. Uh, any kind of uh, stuff going on there? No, for the things that I do, I don't really need it. So, just run, and when it's done, you just look at it. When it's, run, it's when it's done, it's done. I, I don't have those big workloads. Like I never did those big email migrations where you need to know. Okay, now the email, this part is done, and I need to start that. Right. 
Or what I get into is, let's say I ran something across 800 nodes and three of them failed. How do I keep track of ones that failed? Or just when something fail, you just bail? Um, now you bail or, or you do you use a try catch in, in the case of PowerShell and if it, if it fails you right away you file somewhere okay this right, sort of failed this, and, this sort of fail and then just look at the logs when you're done yep nobody's uh, nobody's building uh, log insight connectors and dumping things into log insight or anything like that to you know to run if you're automating large scale data Most probably some people do if, right. if, if you are in big environments you will need to do something like that yeah. I can see that. So coming up, uh, we've enjoyed 45 minutes with you. I always uh, look at like um, uh, what's going to happen in 2022. Uh, is is any Are you getting any kind of direction from uh, the people that control your lives on what you should be doing in 2022 that we should all hear about or know about or think about with regard to like, hey, what's, what's, your, what's in your plans for 2022 besides hanging in your attic writing more PowerShell? I'm, I'm actually, I, I purchased a new uh, Udemy course on uh, data visualization and, and things, big data with the Python, just, just to learn something new to, to work with big, big data. Oh, interesting. Right, right. Any, any particular data sets you're thinking about uh, uh, trying to collect or process? Yeah, with ControlUp, we have plenty of data sets. And I, for ControlUp, I, I made, in PowerShell, I made actually made an application that has a GUI that does some calculations based on our metrics to, to uh, advise the customer on how they can set their metric, their, their uh, alerting, stuff like that. And then that was an idea that I used. Maybe I can do that in Python because PowerShell and big data, it's not the best combination. Are you doing anything with telcos in Europe? Like, do you? No, no, no? we don't really do telco stuff, no. Right, because some of the edge and telco stuff that's going on there too, that gets into a big data perspective, right? Because yeah, they got, yeah, you can do trending of what apps are out on the edge and who's who's doing what with what apps, and the reason they're putting those servers out on the edge is because they want to they want to get get close the data closer to the to the edge, and then you get into AI and processing that data. So some of that's fun. What tools did you get? I missed what you had said. What you had a Acquired to do this? Yeah, a course in Unimi. Uh, what is it? Data visualization and, and big data or machine learning. Some Udemy is 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 a, is a website where you can purchase courses. I also got the hundred days of Python and over there. Oh, so you bought cloud services, right? Number of C CPU running this stuff to do that? No, that, that that's just the course itself. So oh, the course. The, the, I thought you said course. course. I thought you said no, no, course. course. I was like, no, no, you no. got course. How many courses did you get? Like, can you bit mine on them? I want to bit mine on some course. Give me some course. All right. So you got a course. All right. Cool. You got one Corey. Right. All right. <laughs> There you go. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that that gives you something to do. Online learning is a is a great great thing to to do. As I said, we're going to do the twelve days of of Kubernetes over the holidays, so that people can go and learn how to you know get some Kubernetes education as well as setting up your your home lab with Kubernetes running on it. And uh, that should be something fun for everybody to do if you get a holiday break. Are you taking a holiday break? Do you guys get holiday breaks in Europe? Oh, we do get them, but I'm hardly taking one. I've got a couple of days, but for the rest, not a lot. 
I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, VMware takes the week off, so it's it's kind of it's kind of a fun moment where we get some downtime to do some projects, right? Or at least I hope to do some projects, right? Oh, we got you know, seven days off in a row. It's like I get some time to do that. All right. Well, uh, Wooter, uh, it is always a pleasure to hear what you've been up to, uh, and you know, just do a shout out to your blog if you're interested in Horizon and you know APIs and automation. That's the place to go. Uh, and and uh, good job keeping up and post posting that stuff on advocacy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Last thing we do before we close up is uh, for you, barbecue. I know we talked barbecue last time, or I think I asked you, uh, what are they? But what do they barbecue in the Netherlands? It mostly, yeah. I, I think they just got. I'm I'm not a big barbecue guy. Sometimes I grill something, but. Uh, I, I think they, they copy most of what you guys do in the U.S. So yeah, that I'm, makes. I'm not a big guy on that. <laughs> All right. All right. Other Netherlands question along with barbecue. Do you ride a motorcycle? No. Yeah. Because right, when uh, you know, last time I was in Amsterdam, right? Like we're downtown Amsterdam, and like 300 motorcycles come cruising through the city, right? It seems like that's a uh, a Netherlands thing that goes on, like motorcycle field trips where everybody's on their motorcycle cruising through the city. Corey, you were with me on that. You remember that? Like they're all like, there's like a whole like, massive. I didn't really remember them in the Netherlands too much. I know in Spain, it's crazy amount of motorcycles, but Netherlands, not so much. I don't remember that. In the Netherlands, we were downtown Amsterdam and uh, we were downtown, came out happy tourist kind of land. It me, you and Tony Dunn. Yeah, yeah. like, Everybody's brother drove motorcycles down into downtown, you know, Amsterdam, and then revved them up. Run, run, run. I do to, remember this. Run, yes, run. yes, That's yes. So I do remember this. here for like we a, rode right into like the the, the, the square area. Yeah, the right square. Where there were like three or four hundred bikes. Like a, yeah, moved yes. in and took over. I think right. that's probably a rare occasion, right? Like because we didn't Thanks see so. it much after that, but we saw more bicycles. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. It's true, sure. But I just, I could just see Wooter in his black leather jacket, you know, <laughs> on, his, on, his, on his bike, like, uh, you know, what is that? Girl with a dragon tattoo. Same kind of scenario. I, I, Wooter, I got you. Got that going. I appreciate you writing all the code. Thanks a lot for sharing today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I uh, hope you have a great holiday. What you do get off, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll see you again sometime next year. Thanks for Look coming on the show. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, Gabby, Gabby, have fun in Singapore. Glad you guys are out of the quarantine hotel, as always. And I uh, hope you get some time to write some PowerShell. Uh, uh, thanks so much for having me. Wooter, it was great seeing you in person again. Um, yeah. yeah. Cheers. Cheers, folks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.